Hey Divas, welcome to Cycles and Sanctity. This week we're going to be talking a little bit more about the concept of unitive and procreative when we talk about the marital act, what it is, what it isn't, and all the good things. So come on in the podcast. Hello, Catholic Divas. Welcome to Cycles and Sanctity Podcast. I am Mama Jane, wife to Steve for almost 37 years, mother of six wonderful children, fertility awareness instructor, and a Catholic mindset coach. Are you confused about your cycle? Do you want to learn how charting your cycles can give you insight, not only to your health, but your mental and emotional state as well? And most importantly, using this information to draw closer to God and pursue your path to holiness? If you answered yes, then you are in the right place. Go grab your journal and your favorite pen and let's do this. Hello, Catholic Divas. I hope you're beginning to have a wonderful summer. Today in the Snyder household is a very special day because it is my youngest son's 18th birthday. He's finished high school. He's going to be graduating next week. And in a few months, he is off to college. My husband and I will soon be empty nesters. Now, it's interesting because my husband says that we won't be empty nesters until he actually finishes graduating from university and fully supporting himself. I think we're going to be empty nesters when he's out of our house on a day-to-day basis. Isn't that interesting how the same words can invoke different thoughts for different people? Well, either way, we are entering a new chapter of our lives and our marriage, and I'm looking forward to it. And I have an exciting offer to share for my fellow older Catholic divas who may also be ending a chapter of their lives. I have a special workshop just for you. This workshop is part of my Uniquely Beautifully Older You program. And this workshop is going to be for women who are entering a stage of life that's shifting and maybe you're just not sure what's next. Together, we're going to discover how God created you so unique with special contributions and your own motivations, and we'll explore where he might be leading you in this next chapter of life. That's going to be on Monday, June 26th online at 6 p.m. Eastern or 3 p.m. Pacific, and you can get the link in the show notes and also go to my website. Okay, so today's podcast, I am going to discuss with you the Catholic Church's teaching on natural family planning and some of the thoughts about this subject. While my empty nesters may not think that this really applies to them, I want to remind you, as all Catholic divas, that we are all called to understand the Catholic Church's teaching in order for us to continue to transmit the faith to our children and to our grandchildren. Last week, I discussed how I, as a fertility coach, approach teaching our natural body signs and charting based on the circumstance of my client. I told you last week that when I'm teaching a young single woman who's not preparing for marriage, I only teach her to understand her natural signs and how to chart them so that she can use them for the information for her health and her wellness. And when I'm teaching an engaged or married couple, how I teach them how to chart and then follow the rules for them so that they can desire to either wait on pregnancy or achieve pregnancy. To understand why natural family is so important for a married Catholic couple, we must first turn to the teachings of the Catholic Church. Now remember, we call the Catholic Church Holy Mother Church because like a good mother, she wants only the best for her children. Her job is to guide her children closer to Christ and to be with him in heaven. And that's what my desire for this podcast is for you, so that you can become holier than I, provided that I become as holy as I should. 
Let me tell you a story. I had a goddaughter who was coming into the church. She was an adult who hadn't been confirmed into the Catholic Church, and she asked me to be her godmother. And she had been married to a Catholic for many years. And I actually met her because she had four children, and her children were the similar ages of my children. When she was in RCIA, we were discussing the church's teaching on contraception, and she was having a difficult time, just like many people have a difficult time about this teaching. In her mind, her thoughts were similar to those that many people have, and the primary thoughts are that the church can't tell me what to do in my bedroom, or another thought which is so prevalent is, it's my body and I get to do with it what I want. But when I shared with my goddaughter that we call the Catholic Church Holy Mother Church and reminded her that as a good mother, that's what her duties are, she gives us these rules and responsibilities because she desires the best for us. Then my goddaughter began to start opening up to this teaching. And since I had known her for several years and I knew her children and I knew how she parented, I asked her the question, don't you have a curfew for your teenagers because you want to keep them safe? And of course, she was really like, oh, well, yeah, of course. I know what bad things happen after midnight. I don't want my kids out there. And I said to her, well, I understand that because I know the type of mother you are. You have these rules that are going to guide your children towards their good. And yeah, she agreed with me. And so I want to propose this thought to you today that everything the Catholic Church teaches is for the sole purpose that you may have eternal life. And I promise you that is a very good thing to be seeing God face to face. Her teachings are Christ's teachings. Jesus Christ does not desire to confine you, to restrict you, or to make your life miserable. Quite the opposite. He came to give you life and life abundantly. And when I shared this with my goddaughter, she all of a sudden opened up and she was very receptive to this understanding. So when we discuss marriage and the marital act or sex, there are really four things that you need to remember. Number one, unitive. Number two, procreative. Number three, serious reason. And number four, children are always a gift and not a right. Let me give you an example of a car. I think last week I told you that your marriage is your driver's license and you should not engage in the marital act unless you're married, just as you shouldn't be driving a car without a license. Both of these rules are best practices of your life. Well, this week I want to explain these concepts using the idea of the road on which you're driving the car. So think of the words unitive and procreative as your solid line on the right and your dotted line on the left. If you go off the solid line, then you're going to hit the guardrail or go off the road into a ditch if there is no guardrail. And if you cross the dotted line, you're going to run into oncoming traffic. And I think you would agree that both of these scenarios are dangerous and could even kill you. And therefore, I think you would also agree with me that when you're driving, there's a benefit to having a solid line and a dotted line. And there's also a benefit to the marital act, to practicing within its twofold purpose, to be unitive and to be procreative. That means union and love. Okay, so let's look at the unitive aspect of the marital act first. Unitive means coming together or creating a union. In Genesis 2.24, we read, this is why a man leaves his father and his mother and clings to his wife, and the two shall become one body. 
When we satisfy our passions without our spouse, we are not being unitive. And when we create another living human being outside the marital act, we are also not being unitive. Wait a minute. Did I just lose you? Probably. Okay, let's examine this a little closer. To satisfy our passions without our spouse means using pornography or masturbating or using the other person to satisfy your passions without being unitive. I'm choosing my words very carefully because this is a sensitive subject and these are sexual sins. Creating another human life outside the marital act, what does that mean? Well, it means using IVF or artificial insemination or surrogate motherhood. All of these are sins against the unitive aspect of the marital act. All of these actions make you cross over that solid line and go into the ditch of sin, which brings harm to your body, your mind, your soul, and perhaps even another person's body, mind, and soul as well. And that's why all of these actions are serious sins or what the church calls mortal sin. I've shared with you that I was not taught this as a young woman or even in our early marriage, but God is always, always good. And when we began our journey of infertility, I had to go and understand what the Catholic Church teaches about marriage and sex and children. And then God actually granted me the opportunity to give the testimony to this. You see, when you get into the infertile side of marriage, it really does become a dangerous, slippery slope. Producing a child becomes the goal. And in today's society, any means to that end is justifiable, even including acts that are not unitive. So as we were beginning to get tests to determine what could possibly be the problem, I had to stand up against doctors who wanted to get a specimen of my husband's sperm without me. And I told the doctor straight up, I'm not going to have my husband commit a mortal sin just so that you could get his sperm. There are other ways. This doctor looked at me like I was crazy. There are ways to protect the unitive aspect of the marital act, but they're just more cumbersome. And in the medical community, at least at that time, they were not considered reliable. So I got a lot of pushback, but I was not about to cross that line. I made it very clear. For me, my saving grace was that I had become pregnant once and so that I knew that my body could work if I could figure out what exactly was the problem. But I can also understand the pain and the grief and the shame of the couples who have not conceived. And I can comprehend that when they turn to the infertility industry for answers, they're willing to do whatever it takes to have a child. My heart really does break for these couples. And I want to emphasize that my story is nothing but how good God is. It's only through his grace that I came to understand this teaching. I had another doctor through that infertile phase of my life who told me he was Catholic. And because at the time when I met him, I wore a number of saint medals and he noticed them. And so he's the one that started the conversation, acknowledging that he was Catholic as well. When I heard this, I sighed a relief and said, okay, great. You know what the church teaches. But then the next sentence out of his mouth was, I recommend we go ahead and just do IVF because we could do a bunch of tests and then figure it out. IVF would be much easier. And I looked at him again and I responded, IVF is against the church teaching and I am not asking for a baby. I'm asking why my body isn't working. Unfortunately, most of us simply assume that if our doctor is recommending the procedure or the test, that it's okay and that is part of the problem. You see, I heard a doctor at the facts conference one time speak and he said something so profound and I've kept it in my mind. 
This is what he said, bad ethics is bad medicine. And in today's society, the problem is, is that we've thrown God out of all of our institutions. Objective truth is not even considered. And once I heard this statement, I really did understand I had an issue with the whole life coaching industry. I knew that life coaching could be a really great benefit. And I had had life coaches in the past that had helped me in my journey. But what I also understood that if the coaching was not grounded in objective truth, then we could really, really go off the path. And that's one of the reasons why I'm a Catholic mindset coach, because I do understand that our thoughts create our feelings and our feelings create our actions and our actions lead to our circumstances. Most of us look at our circumstances and think we need to change them. But what we really need to do is change our thoughts and change our feelings according to the fullness of the truth. And so when I coach as a Catholic coach, my desire is to stay grounded in objective truth so that I can guide my clients toward the good, the beautiful, and the truth. And I've reframed that doctor's statement into a positive statement saying, good ethics is good coaching. So let's get back to our concepts. We must come together. This is the unitive aspect of that marital act. And so a really easy question that we can ask ourselves is, will this act be unitive? And if the answer is no, then we should not be engaging in that act. So the next aspect is the dotted line of the marital act or what we say procreative. Okay, now I've heard lots and lots of thoughts about this aspect. As the church teaches procreative, it means nothing that is hindering the possibility of creation. It does not mean that every time we come together, we must intend to create a child. Many people think that because natural family planning teaches a couple to come together during an infertile phase of a wife's cycle, that it breaks this aspect of the marital act. And that's just not so. What natural family planning is doing is allowing the couple to use the cardinal virtue of prudence. St. Thomas Aquinas tells us that prudence is the right reason in action. The catechism says prudence is the virtue that disposes of practical reason to discern our true good in every circumstance and to choose the right means of achieving it. That's from paragraph 1806. I'm going into more detail about the virtue of prudence when I discuss the next aspect about serious reason. But for now, we must understand that biologically, we call the body system, which includes all of the organs of the reproductive system, because the purpose of that system for the body is to reproduce or create new life. This is actually the only system in our body that's not complete in itself. Isn't that interesting? Have you ever thought about that? See, my reproductive system isn't complete without my husband's reproductive system. And oh, by the way, the reproductive system of the same sex does not complete one another either. Okay, so what are the two acts that cross the line, that dotted line of procreative? Well, the main two are contraception, and that can be either momentarily contraception, such as the pill or a condom, or it could be permanent contraception, such as sterilization, and then also abortion. See, contraception suppresses the body's natural functions in order to not reproduce, and every single type of contraception takes a normal healthy body system and distorts it. Most of the time when we think of contraception, we're thinking of the pill or the IUD or some other contraceptive method a woman uses. But contraception also includes condoms and even the pull-out method. 
Both of these methods can harm a man's body as well. And again, like I mentioned, sterilization as well, vasectomies or tubal ligations or things like that. See, all of this is denying the procreative aspect. The very means of all of these methods violate the procreative aspect since it's contra, which means against, ception, which means creating new life. Now, abortion is willfully choosing to end the life that has been created. Abortion is different than a miscarriage. This is very important because that's not what this medical community says. But let me tell you, abortion is different than a miscarriage. No matter what the situation of the abortion, it is an act of the will of some person. There has been a decision that has been made either freely or under coercion to end the life of the child that is growing in utero. But a miscarriage is when a woman's body cannot sustain the new life. It's not willful of any person. It's just the way the body is responding. And many times, as you've heard when I interviewed Emily Adams, there's no medical reason for the miscarriage, and this can be part of the pain. I want to encourage you, if you have had infant loss through miscarriage, if you haven't found Emily Adams on social media or gone to the Metanoia Catholic, she's a resident coach there, I really want to encourage you to find her so that she can serve you. Okay, one more thing I want you to hear me very clearly, okay? A woman who has had an abortion is just as much of a victim as her child. There are so many other victims in this act of abortion. And this episode today is not about abortion. The only thing I want to point out is that abortion breaks the procreative aspect of the marital act. I only have compassion and mercy toward any person who has been a victim of abortion. And I have witnessed Christ's redeeming love healing those wounds. Okay, I've talked about unitive and procreative. Those are the two lines. Remember that unitive and procreative of the aspects of the marital act. Now let's move on to the serious reason. This can get into muddy waters. Holy Mother Church never defines serious reason because she trusts that a well-formed conscience living in a sacramental marriage and using the virtues and graces that they have been given, that it's up to the couple to decide what that serious reason is, either to wait to have a child or to avoid for more children. And this is really where the rubber hits the road and truly saints are formed. When I first discovered natural family planning, I read a study that had been taken that had studied 100 couples. And in this study, they followed them for 10 years in their marriage. And after the 10 years, out of those 100 couples, half of them were contracepting and half of them were not. And after the 10 years, they discovered that 50% of those that were practicing contraception actually ended in divorce, as opposed to the couples who practiced natural family planning, only 5% of those couples ended in divorce. So my husband always reminds me that this did not mean that natural family planning was marriage insurance. And what it meant was that those couples who had already had good communication skills and common values were probably going to be successful in natural family planning. My thought is that it was through practicing natural family planning that they had to build those skills of good communication and also ensure that they had the same values. So you see, when you're not practicing contraception, then literally every single month, both the husband and the wife have to have a conversation on a question. 
are we open to the possibility of having a child right now? And this is where that virtue of prudence is practiced and communication is developed. Whenever I teach a couple about NFP, I make sure that they understand that this is not a simple question. I have a very dear older friend who tells me the story of her sixth child. When we talk about NFP in marriage, she says, well, we broke the rules and we got pregnant. I had to go tell my teacher that I wasn't a very good student and my husband always said it was just because I was too sexy. And then she laughs blushingly. It's just so fun to hear her tell that story because she's now in her late 70s. But I finally told her one day after hearing this beautiful story many times, I said, you know, you, you didn't break any rules. You were both open to life and you made it work. And then, yeah, she shares with me how they managed in the small house when they lived with all these kids and, you know, where they kept the kids' beds and everything like that. It it really is a beautiful story of trusting God and knowing that He will provide and also loving each other. I have many friends who've never charted their cycle. To them, natural family planning simply means being open to God's holy will, and He gives the children when they come. There's no serious reason for these couples to wait for children or to avoid children. And really, that was Steve's and my attitude for many years once the infertility was overcome. I have a friend who had a home birth with her first child with a midwife. And while the birth was beautiful and her son was healthy, she retained the placenta and the midwife had to call an ambulance. And this was a life-threatening event. And afterwards, she was told that her body may respond like this with subsequent pregnancies. This could be considered a serious reason for a couple to choose to avoid pregnancy. But my friend, however, was very faithful, very prayerful, and she discussed this outcome with her her midwife. Both her and her husband wanted more children. And so along with her midwife, they created a birth plan with a contingency for each and every birth. It was actually kind of funny listening to her. She's like, my midwife just has the ambulance on speed dial. After we give birth, we know that we're going to call that ambulance and I'm getting to the hospital. She went on to have five more children. And then her husband was diagnosed with MS. It was so severe that he had to quit work and she had to quit homeschooling, and she went to work. After a year of the diagnosis, they became pregnant, and she was shocked at the reaction she received in her Catholic community, especially in her pro-life community, because people were judging her and shaming her for this choice because of her husband's illness. But she shared with me, she's told me, Jane, we prayed about this, and we discussed this, and we knew that this was exactly what God wanted us to do amidst this child. Well, the rest of the story is they went on to have nine children altogether. Her husband has been with them for over 20 years, is back to work, and their daughter just had their first grandchild. They put their trust in God. They discussed it. They understood the serious reason, and they made that choice through the virtue of prudence. Another friend of mine would get extremely sick during the first trimester of her pregnancy, When I had met her, she was pregnant with her third. Her oldest was eight, and she had taught her daughter to cook scrambled eggs so that the family could eat something because she couldn't even go into the kitchen. She told me that she would get so sick after vomiting that she could feel herself faint and she would consciously curl herself around the toilet so that she would not hit her head. 
her husband was a musician. He was a professional musician, and they had converted their basement into a soundproof practicing area with a special light to let him know when they needed him for dinner or whatever. And her oldest daughter would find her mom passed out on the bathroom floor and run to the light and flash it and then open the door and shout, Daddy, Mommy fainted again. Now, for many people, this would be a serious reason not to have another child when you're so sick that you cannot care for the ones that you have. But this couple knew that they wanted more. And so they were able to find a doctor. They were able to discuss her situation. And this doctor gave her B12 shots at the beginning, and she just felt so much better. And it made all the difference. And she now has seven children. Another friend of mine has four children when I met her, and she had been diagnosed with RA. But she used to tell me, I want babies until my babies have babies. Isn't that a beautiful desire? However, with the medication that she was on, it was so strong. And every single time that she went to the rheumatologist, I can't even say that word, (laughs) rheumatologist, he would remind her of the seriousness of getting pregnant on the serious birth defects that they could have on on a child while she was on this medication. He wanted her to get on birth control and she would continue to say, no, we practice natural family. I'm good. And finally, one day her husband was with her and he got a little mad at this doctor. And he said to him, you know, we understand the seriousness of this disease and we know how to avoid pregnancy through NFP. However, we still want more children, and so we expect you to help us find a better medication. Well, praise God, that happened, and she was able to go on to have nine children, and she's now a grandmother and running and healthy as ever. And the Lord heard her desire. She was able to have babies until her babies had babies. I just love that. With my fifth baby was a miscarriage, and I was 40 years old, and we were open to more children, but and we weren't really consciously trying or not trying. We weren't really following the rules. But after two years, I just kind of figured that we were done because I was 42. And so we gave all the baby clothes away. To my surprise, I was actually pregnant. And during that pregnancy, I had gestationally diabetes. And so I had to take really good care of myself. The birth was beautiful. My son was healthy. But 18 days postpartum when he was born, One Sunday morning, I collapsed and I was having seizures. And when I came to, I thought I was having a heart attack. My husband drove my little baby and I to the emergency room. And when the doctor came and told me, he introduced me and he said, you have a blood clot in your lungs and we just need to see how big it is. And oh, by the way, we cannot have the baby here because we need to take care of you. So my 18-year-old daughter came and picked up her brother and went home and took care of the four little ones while we dealt with this emergency. It turned out it was a double pulmonary embolism where my right lung was completely blocked and my left lung was only getting 25% oxygen. Well, once the medicine had been administered and the clots began to break and I was out of danger, my first question to the doctors was, was this caused by pregnancy and can I have another child? The first doctor looked at me and said, you're 42 and you have five. Could you stop? And I told them, no, I'm Catholic. I need to know whether this is a serious reason. And well, they did acknowledge that this was a serious reason and this possibly occurred because of postpartum and that really I was an actual miracle that I survived it. So when we got home, my husband and I sat down and my husband said, this is a serious reason. We really need to follow the rules on NFP and make sure that we don't get pregnant. And praise God, 
18 years later, I'm still alive, serving the Lord and my family, celebrating my youngest son's birthday and graduation, and we were able to avoid pregnancy until I hit menopause. So you see, each couple must take into account in their own situation. The church cannot determine what you can endure. It's only when we bring Christ into the conversation and discuss openly with one another as a couple that we have a serious reason to wait or to avoid. The couple must take into consideration one another's perspective and think about their future as best as possible. Trusting the Lord will provide everything they need. I will tell you that something to consider is what a priest friend taught me years ago. You can never outdo God in generosity. And that's really what many of these stories were, trusting God's generosity, trusting in God's divine providence. And that's why it's so important to bring God into this conversation. It's not that he can't be in your bedroom. For goodness sakes, he created your bodies and he brought you together to be a married couple. You don't think he's in your bedroom? And it's not because it's your body and you can do whatever you want. He created your body. He gave you life. So it just behooves you to include the master in this decision. Again, we still have free will. That's the key. We still have free will. But what I say many times when I'm coaching clients, when we're discussing a certain circumstance and we can't maybe get the thoughts out of our brain because we can only see one way, I ask my client to ask the Lord to give you his perspective. And that's what we do when we bring him into the conversation, when maybe both the husband and the wife pray about it and you come together and pray about it and ask the Lord to give you his perspective. But a serious reason does not justify practicing any of the other things that I mentioned that distort the unitive or the procreative aspect. And this is where I think many, many people go wrong. See, we cannot misuse natural family planning to have all the children that we want, and then we can turn to contraception or sterilization because now we've determined that we're done having our children. That is a misuse of natural family planning that is going outside the dotted line or the solid line. That also brings me to my last point. Children are always a gift and never a right. That's part of the problem with the infertility industry is that we think that children are a right. My husband always reminded me for whatever reason, I would be crying and saying, you know, why hasn't God given us a baby yet? And he would just simply say, for whatever reason, God doesn't think we're ready. We have to trust and we have to remember that children are not a commodity that we get to determine whether we have one or not. It's not like buying a new iPhone or something. Many times we have unspoken or spoken expectations of how our lives will unfold. And sometimes we have control over that, and sometimes things happen that we have no control over. For instance, in our case, you know, when I thought we would use NFP and have our children happily spaced every two years, and when that didn't happen, I did not have the right to cross the line just because I wanted a baby or cross the other line when I absolutely did not want a baby. See, I can see the gift of my infertility. It gave me a reason to lean solely on the Lord. If I had been more fertile and had the babies that I wanted when I wanted, maybe I wouldn't have had as many encounters with the Lord that I had. I'm not sure. I just trust that God is in all of our lives. And when we include him in our decision process, then it makes it easier. See, 
this idea of children being a right or being a commodity is one of the dangers that St. Pope Paul VI mentions and writes about in his beautiful encyclical called Humanae Vitae. He wrote it in July 1968. And next month's podcast, I'm going to talk about it in, in honor of that date. We're really going to talk about literally how prophetic this saint was when he wrote this important church document. Natural family planning can be a tool for you to use for your own sanctity, which is one of the reasons why I call this podcast Cycles and Sanctity, because I want you to become holy. Your holiness is the most important part. And for next week's episode, I get to interview a beautiful Catholic husband who's going to discuss his perspective on NFP. Because remember, just because we're talking about the woman's cycle doesn't mean that our husbands are not included. That's one of the gifts of natural family planning is that both husband and wife have to come together in a unique way and that they both have to participate. So to recap, the marital act must be unitive and it must be procreative. There must be a serious reason not to be open to children, but that reason can only be decided by each individual couple each and every time. And lastly, children are a gift and not a right. The Holy Spirit is the giver of life. Today, I want to encourage you to practice your spiritual plan of praying the rosary. And as you pray your rosary, I would love for you to pray for all married couples to know and practice these beautiful teachings of the Catholic Church and ask Our Lady to grant the graces each couple needs to endure any suffering that they're going through in their marriage and especially around fertility. Let's ask our blessed Lord to grant them the graces to practice prudence, generosity, and trust as they bring children into their families. And to be assured, each of you is also included in my intentions of the rosary as well. And lastly, I want to invite any married couples who would like a fertility coach to reach out to me. I do teach classes. I usually teach a couple of classes online during the month. All you have to do is DM me or reach out to me if you're interested or you need some assistance in your charting. So as we close, let's hear as St. Paul gives us a blessing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. May the God of peace bring you perfect in holiness. May he preserve you whole and entire, spirit and soul and body, irreproachable at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Until next week, have a great day. Hey, Catholic Divas, I hope you enjoyed the episode this week. And I want to just remind you a couple of things. If you've liked it, please go ahead and write a review. You can subscribe and press the little bell and then every episode will just pop into your account, um, Spotify or Google or Apple or however it goes. And also I want to remind my older mamas that I'm going to be having this free workshop, Uniquely Beautiful older you. It's on June 26. It's online. You can go ahead and find the information on my website or the link below. Have a great day.